Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center podcast feed. I'm Kat Napsack, and this is another edition of Star Wars Ranked, the 90th edition of this show, and we take topics of Star Wars, big and small, and rank them, because that's what it means to be a fan, and honored to have with us today, not only a regular guest here, but a co-founder of the Force Center podcast feed, Joseph Scripture. Hello, sir. Happy to be here. Happy to be here. I like hearing 90, because I want to uh, be as old as one of our podcasts someday. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I want to uh, go out like Carl Reiner. Uh, <laughs> um, we are we are here uh, talking about a fun topic. Uh, it is the best unsung heroes in Star Wars. 
And we do admit this is somewhat similar to a very early uh, episode of Force Center. So early, it was recorded in like three living situations ago for me. (laughs) Yeah, two. Uh, And it uh, is an older podcast. And that one we did like minor characters that affected the fate of the galaxy. So Joseph, similar vein, but this is a little different. Unsung heroes are those characters that have done great things, are great themselves, and we just want to shine a light on them for what they've done. That's right. Some of the characters I think on our list are uh, like fan favorites of Four Center listeners and and certainly of ours. But some of them are the characters who just they don't get enough credit inside the galaxy or here in the real galaxy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And and uh, some like I said, popular. Some some of the names we're about to list there are like, well, yeah, I know that name, but we want to focus on some of the specific specific aspects of what they did in the Star Wars story and how if we as fans can help appreciate even those actions. Even even more specifically than just the character. So that's what we got here today. Uh, as always, we want to remind you this podcast is brought to you by Audible. If you want to get an audiobook on us, try one out. Uh, like, say, Shadowfall, which Joseph and I are going to be reviewing this coming week on Force Center. Go to audibletrial.com slash Force Center and get a free audiobook on us. Try it out. Support the show. Audibletrial.com slash Force Center. Joseph, let's dive into this list. I, I will... Uh, Let's preface this uh, as we sometimes do, like our thought process, how long it took. Did you have, was this one of those, oh, this is easy. Oh, wait, I can't. Uh, how, how did you approach this list? Yeah, once I got into the groove, the names started flowing. And I rarely do this, but I just kind of went through by era because I knew that there are characters from lots of different uh, eras of Star Wars that would seem underappreciated to me. I think I think I learned that I appreciate a lot of Star Wars characters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And want them maybe to be even overappreciated, if at all possible. Yeah, yeah. So that that was that was my uh, my process. Was this a difficult one for you? Well, the most difficult thing was forgetting the names on that original show we did, which again was <laughs> similar. And uh, even you had pointed out to me like, uh, "It's uh, we're not doing this, right?" I was like, "Oh yeah, that's right." Um, so I had a couple names. I was like. As I was making my list, I was like, this is, this is, uh, wait a minute. Oh, wait a minute. I mean, he's, he's made that list before. I got to take him off. Um, but I love that. I love kind of being forced to, uh, as they might say in football, check down to another receiver, find another target <laughs> and focus on it and make it happen. And uh, that was uh, part of the fun of this list today. So we're going to dive into the best unsung heroes in Star Wars, beginning with Joseph's number five. All right, my number five. Here's the first character uh, who is unsung that I would like to sing about, and that is Captain Panaka. Uh, Panaka is one of those characters that, you know, especially from uh, you and I's perspective, uh, 1999, and you see the action figures like, who's Captain Panaka? Who's the seal Bibble? Who are all these characters who are going to thrill our souls? Uh, And then you meet them, and they aren't as flashy in the movie uh, at first. But over the years, Captain Panaka in particular has expanded in all of the great novels, in, in particular um, in the Queen's Peril, Queen's Shadow, uh, Leia, Princess of Alderaan. There's some upsetting stuff with Panaka. But <laughs> yeah, really just kind of, I love the way his character has developed because it matches so much what's in The Phantom Menace and what I think should be sung about is that he is somebody who comes from a planet that truly does believe in uh, peace and d- believes in communication to resolve problems. But he's also that guy who's like, yeah, but you know what? Every once in a while, the peace doesn't work out and you got to be ready for that. And he's clearly, clearly a character who believes in 
the traditions and the democracy of Naboo, but he has that like, yeah, but the other shoe is going to drop, but you kind of have to respect. And through that, he helped come up with the whole handmaiden decoy bodyguard program that we uh, learned about in particular in Queen's Peril. There's more in Queen's Shadow, but Queen's Peril is the actual, you know, beginning of it all. Yeah. And then you just go to his actual actions in The Phantom Menace is that security is his job. The thing that he was maybe a little paranoid about, a little bit too worried about, oh, it happened. Communication disruption, invasion, <laughs> and Panaka, you were right. And then throughout the entire movie, he's like admirably trying to do his job while also being super respectful where he just has to keep going like hey i'm worried about this uh you know i was already right um security is actually a problem we should actually be concerned okay the queen doesn't want to do that okay i'll go along with that you know we should actually be concerned oh the jedi don't want to do that okay i'll just uh i'll I'll hold my fire okay all right uh and he's just so incredibly he pushes for his agenda his perspective and then he also works well with others and then when the time comes and the queen truly needs him uh, he steps up and he kicks ass. This is a, a great choice. And I have, I'm like you, uh, we were there in 99. We, I love that you described that figure like, Ooh, Captain Panaka. This is, he's gonna, is he like our Captain Solo? You know, you have those weird expectations and you're, yeah, you're right. It, it He's, he's almost muted his times, right? He's just very businesslike. Uh, and, and um, Hugh Corsi that uh, uh, plays him is, is, was a very accomplished stage actor, brings that kind of, gravitas to this this role so he plays it well but then you kind of you know it wasn't what you're expecting and then what you're describing just is exactly what happens uh he's so interesting the what ek johnson has done with this character and we can make jokes about that those books are somewhat uh panaka and the handmaidens like a a new (laughs) sitcom on cw or something like that and that would work but you're describing him perfectly he he saw what was coming or at least felt what was potentially not not specifically coming but then uh, I love his his kind of relationship with the the, the handmaidens of is at times some frustration, definitely mentoring, definitely guiding, but really learns and and he has to learn. He allows himself to learn to let them develop as humans, as uh, young women, as handmaidens to this queen. He lets them kind of be who they are, and I definitely think his wife uh, helps him in that regard. And also, I love that he just wants to go home at the end of the day and have a meal with his wife. That's kind of his goal. <laughs> That's his whole thing. I just, I want security. So, and I kind of relate to that. It's like, I just want everything to be good. So at the end of the day, I can, you know, eat pasta and watch an episode of Succession with my wife and just not worry about it. And I feel like that's what Panaka's like. And then, you know, to kind of spoilers, if people don't know the whole arc of Panaka, you can tune out for 30 seconds. I love how deeply it's developed through all of these, you know, young adult novels that tragedy of Panaka being somebody who legitimately worries about security and that leads him down a road where he is incredibly susceptible to Palpatine and to that fear-mongering that Palpatine does so well to take a healthy concern about danger and Mm. explode it into paranoia that can justify and blind you to truly awful things. And Mm. I really like both the just the heart and the stoic steadfast nature of Panaka and then ultimately the tragedy that these good qualities are manipulated so well by Palpatine. Yeah. And I, I think I always, uh, 
point over Game of Thrones that some of the actions of the characters might be deemed as bad or failures, and that's the point because you're supposed to maybe be affected by it and learn by that. That's that's Panaka, even for, for someone like me specifically, uh, uh, and, and some of my uh, real world beliefs or something. It's like, all right, hey, check yourself. Make sure you're make sure you're always challenging what you believe and 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 what's going on around it. And and I think that's a valuable lesson. And it's a very interesting thing. I remember when I first learned, and it was I, I, legends at the time. Then it becomes canon of like, wait a minute, Panaka became a like a a governor for the empire. <laughs> like, how did yeah. that happen? Um, off, yeah. How's this? Like. Whoa, like you see how it happens. Uh, and, and and I thought it really, Queen Shadow, but Queen's Peril. E.K. Johnston did a great job of taking this character, making him um, robust and multi-leveled. And, and that includes failures and growths. And it's all there. And he's truly unsung. Yeah. So thanks for letting me sing about him. That's my number five, Captain <laughs> Panaka. Panaka, the song of Panaka. We need a we need a Panaka musical on Disney Plus. <laughs> I think Lin Manuel Miranda can pull that up. Uh, we're gonna go with my number five. You know, I didn't even think about this. I made a last second switch here before I emailed you my list this morning, and it lined up a little bit uh, with with your list here. My number five is General Carlos Rican. Now, uh, Rican at no point does become an Imperial Moth. I have always loved Rykan, portrayed by Bruce Boa in Empire Strikes Back. It's interesting to me because, you know, I grew up, to, all three of the movies kind of fell into my lap at the same time. So I always say it's, I have a weird relationship with two, four, five, and six because I didn't see four early. I, you know, didn't recognize, realize I was watching it. I was one, but so I wasn't like waiting. For Empire, <laughs> right. We, we talked about it before. Leia is positioned in the opening crawl of New Hope as a princess trying to save her people. It's a, it's a, it's a trope, right? It's a fantasy thing, and you kind of get behind her as she's the rebellion. Yeah, there's Jan Dodonna, uh, a, a name uh, who almost made my list too here. And then come in Empire, you realize it's bigger. It's a bigger structure, right? And, and Leia's part of it, a key part of it. And she's the emotional core of it in a lot of ways, uh, or at least part of that core. And then you got this guy, Rykan, shows up. And he, he's working with Leia. Leia kind of answers to him, clearly, because, you know, she's kind of makes reference to, well, General Rykan says. And, you know, and I've just always been fascinated by his fatherly, grandfatherly presence, quiet steadiness, his ability to uh, look and listen to those around him, make command decisions when he needs to. Then his story rolls out in canon a little bit more. He appears in Lost Stars. Here's in some other stuff. Uh, Resistance Reborn. He appears. He's brought back after all this time. He's he, and I just I think he's a steady presence in the, in this rebellion when it was all crazy when they had to evacuate they had to run around and and I think it's so, someone like him just continued to be there for the rebellion even even up to the Battle of Jakku with some of the stuff in Lost Stars and I just uh, in 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 a, in a rebellion full of explosive leaders, uh, Saw Gerrera or uh, you know uh, dignity, quiet dignity of Mon Mothma, but she's the face of it in a lot of ways. Akbar, Radis, who you know I love. There's this guy Rykan. who's just like, yep, I know what we got to do. Okay, cool. Well, we're gonna evacuate. Send Rogue to ten and eleven to over here. But yeah, and I just really always loved Rykan, and I just want to shout him to the rooftops today. Yeah, I think that's great. It is interesting that you and I both gravitated uh, for the top, uh, for number five on our list, to people who have a sort of a quiet dignity while dealing with security and war. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
But I, yeah, I mean, he's one of these guys is like, he's been in my life for so long, uh, seeing Empire Strikes right. Back and, and being so obsessed with it. And, you know, just the rhythms of him, just like he, he's just there. And, you know, I didn't think about him for a long time. Uh, yeah. But I really love that what you're pulling out about him of he does. He has that uh, that feeling of just quiet. Yep. I am absolutely making decisions. I'm in control, but no drama, no stress. And in particular, the, the scenes with him. He's got this like, you know how improv is yes and. He has a sort of like, I acknowledge that sucks, but no time to deal with that. Let's move on. (laughs) (laughs) Not good, but let's go. Not good, but let's go. Uh, (laughs) Because that's basically like, that's how we meet him is Han being like, "Uh, sorry, I got to leave. And he's like, well, I hate to lose you, but bye. Yep. Not going to not going to throw a fed about it. And like, I always think about, you know, especially as I got older, uh, as I was involved with the, you know, uh, nonprofits and theater groups and and things that are like scrappy and have absolutely no resources. Mm. As I get older, watching the rebels just finish setting up the the base on Hoth and go, okay, well, uh, screw all those resources. (laughs) Screw all that time. We immediately have to leave. We'll have to get a grant to cover some of these losses. Um, but he has that same attitude, too, of like, oh, yeah, no, this is terrible, of course, but there's no time to be upset or say it's unfair. We just have to go. Riken, the uh, creative director at your local theater. <laughs> That's just, I've never thought of it in those terms, and it's accurate. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I'm very happy, actually, you brought up the Han Solo moment. That's part of the reason, part of the reason I, I, I love him uh, and maybe over the years grew to grew to appreciate Riken even more as I became a, a director of security myself and, and running a, a team where it's like sometimes... You have your star employees or someone and they're going to make a decision and it causes you to go. Or, or I've, I had to mentor people into a promotion at, an, at another location, which meant I'd lose them. And you just it's the best way. And I've seen other people hold on to their you know, employees that they lean on with a, with a tight grip. And that, that doesn't help anybody. And so I, I do I do respect right campers being like, yeah, I hate to lose you solo. You got to do what you got to do. Um, that also allows Leia to flourish with him. Because I, I don't necessarily think Leia is working underneath him in terms of the rank structure. She's probably working with him. But, you know, there's no power struggle there. He respects her, respects her decisions. She respects him. He lets her be who she is. He supports it. He'll he'll say what he's going to do. And I think that's a, power, a powerful and important trait in, in a leader. And Raikan is uh, that as well, as well as a theater director. <laughs> yeah, he's he is multi-talented. Could he direct the Panaka musical or at least, uh, you know? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And he he would direct it in Los Angeles where, you know, you hire an actor and then they drop out because they, you know, get a small gig (laughs) on a procedural. And you're like, well, you're a great actor. I hate to lose you, but we'll recast. (laughs) I was going to say, does he, uh, can he get the go picture for the Panaka musical? You're a playwright, (laughs) sir. What is the the equivalent of go picture? Is it it go, 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 go? I don't know what it would be. I think it go jazz hands. Yeah. The <laughs> go theater. There you go. So that is our number fives. We're starting, uh, we're starting strong and we're moving up. It's only going to get better here. We got your number four. Yeah. My number four, I feel extremely passionate about because they are well-known characters. They're characters that I think we sometimes have empathy for, but make a lot of jokes about. And I really want to appreciate what they got right. And that is Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru. Owen Lars, Beru, white son, Lars. Um, They get vilified a lot, right? Because uh, particularly Owen, because he is so grumpy. Uh, he did try to keep the truth from Luke. He tried to keep Luke down on the moisture farm and away from his destiny. Um, 
You know, I was growing up a lot, especially as a teen and really anxious to move out into the world. You know, I really shook my fist at Owen of like, let him go. He, he's staring at those twin sons and he just wants to be a part of things. You monster, Owen. Um, and he, he's grumpy and, and maybe he was a little bit hard on Luke. Uh, but Bruce seems really loving, really understanding, immediately pushing back on Owen of like, he can't stay here forever. And, you know, his friends have gone and, you know, have have some empathy for the kid. But I think when you look at it, especially compared to so many other kids in the story of Star Wars, from uh, Han to Jin to Kira to on and on uh, to Rey, Luke actually probably had a pretty good childhood because of Owen and Beru. You know, they were loving, you know, maybe a little gruff, maybe a little hard on him, but he was clothed, he was fed, he had friends, he had a land speeder and a D-16 Skyhopper, uh, and he clearly had people who who cared about him. And, you know, there isn't anything super explicit in the story, but for me, a part of why Luke just kind of glows as the figure of the light side, even though he does wrestle with his own, you know, uh, impatience and, and proclivity to anger and frustration, I have to believe that, that part of that is... Uh, of his power in the light side is that Owen Minbrew gave him maybe like a slightly boring, slightly stifling childhood, but they must have given him just so much love and they must have taught him, you know, kindness and empathy along is clearly just responsibility and like a work ethic. I feel like they gave him maybe a frustrating, stifling, but a loving childhood. And that helped make Luke the hero he became. Yeah, a lot of uh, just uh, some base level stuff. Uh, even even the the love angle and the support is is one thing. And yeah, Uncle Owen is cast in the uh, traditional role every coming of age film needs. There's no dancing in our city, uh, <laughs> you know. That's him. But but it, it, the Star Wars story expands that. But even with Baru and even even the, I don't know, even simply uh, Luke making green milk from a thalassiren later on, he's probably like God, oh, just like Baru used to do. <laughs> so those base level things probably. Um, how to treat people. You got to imagine he learned a lot of that from them. He did, you know, it's, it's important to know. We, we talk a lot about Leia and, and uh, the Organas and their influence. Um, I think you're right. There needs to be more of a, maybe an analysis and, and look at, at uh, Baru and Owen's influence on him. And I hope we get a little, a little bit of that in, uh, in uh, uh, Kenobi. If, if, if we do get uh, nothing confirmed, I don't think, but nothing, uh, um, uh, you know, the Joel Edger didn't come back or something like that. That that would be an interesting uh, angle to approach. Just like him, him saying, Hey, stay away. Kenobi. We, we, we're doing this the way we feel is right. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm always real big. There's little bits and pieces of it in, in Canon you can cling to, but Owen and Brew uh, had a relationship with Shmi, you know, and this is Shmi's grandson. And I think there is real love that connects through the generations there that mm. they can give to Luke. And I would love to see that just kind of explicitly dealt with in, in the Kenobi series would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely. Oh, great. Number four. Okay. Yeah. Oh, one, one other thing I'm going to throw out real quick about the number four. Um, yeah. This is an opinion that of course listeners are, are free to disagree with, but a part of the reason that I think about this a lot is because, you know, people wonder, well, why did Ray take the sabers there? Um, for this place that, you know, was Luke didn't want to be there. And he, you know, saw his, uh, his uncle and his aunt die. There's some famous smoking skeletons and all that. And, and I, I get that concern, 
But for me, I'm always really affected because I think it's Ray going on a pilgrimage and, you know, who, who knows where else she visited, you know, did she fly around the, um, the asteroid field that is now Alderaan, you know, mm-hmm. but I think especially watching Ray slide down into the homestead really asks you to connect the childhood that Ray had to the childhood that Luke had. Mm-hmm. And yep, it was boring. Yep. It was stifling. Yep. It was keeping him from his destiny. But he had everything that Ray longed for. He had people who loved him. And I think that there is a power in that when I watch uh, The Rise of Skywalker of Ray reflecting on Luke's path and her path together. Uh, yes. No argument from me, sir. <laughs> I really think you're spot on. Still love that ending. Love it with all my heart. Um, and, and for a lot, of, a lot of those reasons you just mentioned, going back to where it all began for us as fans too, not just, yeah. that was a fan moment as well. Like, remember where your journey began? <laughs> like story's journey. Anyways, that's another show. That's another show. It um, it, uh, uh, so that's your number four. My number four is, well, I'll say uh, the, the, the name that inspired the list. We do talk about him a lot. Oh, he gets a lot of press. He gets a lot of coverage. Not always in a positive light, but we love him here at Force Center. It is Dexter Jetson. <laughs> oh, man, I love this character. And yes, I agree. Everything about him and his diner is silly. It is silly. Even down to the, like, the menu and the salt and pepper shakers on the table like you're going to Mel's Drive-In on Sunset. Like, <laughs> I get it. And 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 flow the waitress, you know, as a droid. F A seven. We got uh, Hermione Bagua serving there as well. <laughs> you know, working her second shift, just trying to get up enough money to to support her family. Like it's all there, and I know it's silly, but we feel here for Center collectively that it just this is a this is a great little addition to the Star Wars story. We love it because Obi Wan gets to go hang out there, and it shows a different part of his life and different part of Obi's uh, relationship with those outside the Order. It's all great, but on, on a base level, and I think I, I might have ranked him higher if I didn't think Kenobi, you know, wasn't smart enough to figure some stuff out on his own. Because I, I trust that Kenobi, in time, would have maybe figured out a lot. But he also Kenobi's smart enough to go seek help. He's to seek others' advice and input and and, and question things he doesn't know or you know not just assume. Uh, well, uh, the trail's cold. He goes to Dexter. And Dexter's the one that's just laying on the line. Oh, that's a Camino Saber die. We make fun of that line, or, 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 or in, in a loving way. That's not. That's this this wisdom and versus knowledge, but this wisdom that Dexter has, and and he gives Kenobi the information he needs to go further, to to search the truth and find the truth. So this is one of those moments that definitely affects the fate of the galaxy. And again, would they have discovered some of the stuff on their own? Would Kenobi have figured some of it out? Maybe he didn't have to because he had Dexter at Dexter, just a life lived uh, full of uh, that, that knowledge and wisdom and experience and a good nature uh, with a big hug with his pants falling down. <laughs> I literally launch it, have a Disney plus series launch uh, uh, called Dexter's diner and just have it be a real classic star Wars sitcom, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and people, Twitter would go aflame and people would claim Star Wars is dead and Disney is dumb. And I would sit there every week just going, this is my favorite show because Dexter uh, really, to me, just influenced the fate of the galaxy. But look at that scene for what it is. We often do here in Force Center. We often reference it. 
Uh, I think 20% of data bank brawls happen in Dexter's diner <laughs> uh, for good reason. And I just love Dexter. And and he is, I was watching attack the clones the other day in preparation for our Obi-Wan and Dooku scene by scene discussion on the, on the main show. And I watched that scene. I was just like, man, he doesn't give enough credit for even just knowing what the saber dart is. I want to talk about Dexter. So Dexter's number four on my list today. Oh, you're, you're speaking my language. I absolutely love Dexter and I love the sitcom cheers. So I'm all in for, <laughs> for Dexter's diner. Uh, yeah. I mean, he, you're right on the surface. There's stuff around him that has caused fans to uh, be challenged by and or just furious at the existence of <laughs> Dexter and his diner. Uh, from big um, push broom mustache to baggy pants uh, in the 50s diner. Like, yeah, he, I, I, I get it. Um, but yeah, we've talked so much about everything that we love in that scene. Uh, but what I really do love is that the, the difference between knowledge versus wisdom is an important idea. That's why he knows the saber dart. It's not like uh, <laughs> Obi-Wan is like, I'm going to go see uh, my friend who is the nerd who collects saber darts. <laughs> yeah. And he knows the different markings. He, it, that is such an important theme to attack the clones and to the prequels. It, it goes to the Jedi's hubris that in the same way that Jocasta knew can't accept that maybe her records are wrong. The, the mm. analysis droids are like, no, 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 this, the, nope, nope, that can't be that. Um, and that mm. idea that, okay, it's you've compiled all this knowledge and knowledge is great, but knowledge is just facts and they are useless unless you actually apply them and then they become wisdom. And I think Dexter Jetster is this extremely weird symbol of kind of the galactic version of street smarts is really cool. And, you know, I, I'm all down for the Dexter's Diner uh, sitcom, but also like I think this is Dexter's retirement, you know? Yeah. I don't know exactly how long uh, Dexter lives there, uh, but he's. I think he's had lots of adventures. I'd be happy with also the adventures of young Dexter Jetster, which would also really anger fans. But, you know, he, he encountered that uh, that saber dart, you know, prospecting on Sub-Tyrell, right? And yeah. so he's already been a prospector. What the hell else has he done in his life? He's been a prospector and a diner owner. What else has he been up to? Suddenly reminded of the Tom Waits prospector character in the Coen Brothers uh, Western uh, anthology Netflix film. Um, oh, yeah. yeah um, oh, that's a great idea. Like, you know, I would love at some point Laura Santeca and Dexter to sit down and talk and share notes. <laughs> their lives they, they live. And, and yeah, great point. And, 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 and this is when you and I and others look back at uh, the prequels. These are the things where you dig beneath the surface level stuff and see what Lucas was trying to put out there. And, and it's, it's not too far below the surface. You you see it. The knowledge versus wisdom. Jocasta knew versus, uh, you know, um, it's not there. Be one, and I'm not, you know, and Jocasta's uh, a fine character in her own right. Like uh, I love, love they did in the Vader comic with her. I think she's she's got to play some purpose in it. I, we don't always mean to uh, you know slag on her for what she uh, <laughs> did in those moments with Kenobi, but it's the juxtaposition and put that with. Um, you know, Mace and uh, uh, and Yoda and, and Obi-Wan having kind of the conversations about Jedi nowadays, including the older Jedi. And yeah. I think all there, that's part of what Lucas was saying. Like, look, they they had all this knowledge and they and, and this guy in the diner who was out there really living it 
is is the one who's got the right path, uh, including uh, Liam pulling the shades and and all the kids telling Obi Wan <laughs> where his uh, missing map was. So um, yeah, it's it's important. It's part of the Star Wars story. Dexter and his diner. Yeah. Oh man, now we gotta. Yeah, that well, see, that's the show. You go to Dexter's <laughs> diner. Someone sits down for a meal, and hello there. I'll tell you a story. And that frame <laughs> flashbacks. We got. It. This yeah. Is- uh, we're gonna, gonna go. You ordered a Jawa juice and a story. <laughs> uh, seriously, this is, I love this. All right, we're up to uh, number three. And oh, yeah, this is a name I would want on your list, sir. What is your number three? <laughs> My number three is a Jedi from this era that we were just talking about. And it's one, if you've listened to Force Center, you've heard me go on and on about Terra Sanube. Uh, this is the much older, advanced in years Jedi who uh, uh, pops up in a couple of episodes, um, largely in the background, but features uh, strongly in the episode Lightsaber Lost, where Ahsoka loses her lightsaber, and she is, uh, at first, just sort of like young people. Uh, I don't want to team up with this slow, old person. Like, yeah, 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 I get it. Uh, wisdom, respect your elders. But uh, in in Terrace Nube, is not only just a, a great character in the very traditional sort of um morality play story of don't judge a book by its cover um he's got uh, he, he's got that great twist at the end where he moves fast when he has to so he's not saying don't move fast he's saying wait until the right time be super patient take your time and then when the moment is right whip out your lightsaber which you hide in your cane which is so damn cool, Kane Sword. Um, so uh, he's cool. I love him for teaching these fun, interesting lessons. But I, I kind of put him on. Um, he not, needs to be. Uh, we need to be singing about him more uh, mm-hmm. because I think this is kind of pivotal episode for Ahsoka. If you do look at the Clone Wars, is yeah, it's a collection of stories. It tells a lot of people's stories, but Ahsoka is where we begin, and Ahsoka is where we end. And the Clone Wars is kind of her journey. She is the spine of the story. Uh, This is kind of an important lesson for her that you can see her picking up on later of the idea of, in particular, patience, really knowing when to strike, and not judging people based immediately or situations based immediately on their appearances. And in particular, the patience it's something she could maybe pick up a little bit from uh, from Kenobi, uh, not so much from Anakin, but I think Tara Sanube's got to be one of those Jedi where she said, okay, I learned these valuable lessons from the Jedi. Now I'm not sure if they're following through on them. So I think what Tara Sanube teaches Ahsoka is important to her journey. That's, yeah, that's, uh, that's so true. Uh, and, and as her story continues to, to be important and grow in the star Wars world. And, and you go along the way and, and, um, and, uh, it's just a simple, simple thing. Old, uh, the old, uh, the old guy, uh, hooked up with the young student, uh, you know, to, to learn a valuable lesson. It's, uh, uh and the stories you can tell and how many times just in our own world. Um, I, I, you know, I worked, I worked in a retirement home, an old folks home, if you will. Uh, that was my first job for three and a half years. And, it's so easy just to see these hallways of, of folks with experiences and stories just um, 
be ignored. It's sad. It's tragic. And uh, for Star Wars to even remind us of that lesson, to not let that happen, uh, to uh, find the value and pass it on down. Um, I love that. And I love Terrence Newman. I love that you love him. And I really want one of those cane lightsabers on the market. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I know. I, I, I scoured, scoured Galaxy's Edge. Any cane swords? Any cane swords? We'll see. <laughs> Any cane swords? And uh, are, there's a, there's a figure of him, right? Did we? Talk, I'm trying to remember. Uh, did we do that yet? I don't, I don't know. I honestly don't know. Maybe I've maybe I'm blocking it out because it's super expensive and I don't want to deal with the heartbreak. But I'm going to look into this. Mm, yeah, great character, and and part of the fun of the Clone Wars because you had the time to go into little corners of the Star Wars story on that series. Right, right. There was never going to be a big action scene featuring Terrace and Ube in, <laughs> in Attack of the Clones. But I'll tell you what, that High Republic series, all right, come on, I want to page you about Terrace and Ube. Yeah. Great choice for your number three, and we are up to my number three, which is, well, this is a name we know, a name that gets a lot of press, a name of a character that is loved. It is K2SO. All right, follow me here. I want to just specifically talk about the moments in which he came in and saved things, you know, on on Jeddah, shows up, um, gets them out of trouble. Uh, they, uh, they're just on that base level. If, if, if they're captured, the, the mission changes dramatically. Uh, also flies in <laughs> to pull them out of Carrera's <laughs> castle uh, or stronghold as they're about to die. Pretty good. And his final moments, which are well documented, and I think I think a, a very powerful moment. I, I talked to a lot of people. I think I'm in that category too. Of of all the deaths in Rogue One, believe it or not, Kato Esso is the one that pulls my heartstrings the most. Uh, a, a lesson of of choice over programming, a, a valuable lesson there. And it's and it's the because it's the first death they got the the they 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 killed off the droid, if you will. And I remember in the theater going to like, oh no, they're I think they're going to do this. <laughs> I think they're going to, they're going to, these people aren't going to survive. Oh no. And so it's a, it's a powerful moment. And then in his, he sacrifices himself uh, to buy them time. He gives them the information and they don't probably get those Death Star plans without him. So every step of the way, it isn't just that he's funny and a wisecracking droid and, and Alec, Alan Tudyk did a, a great job voicing him and, and actually portraying him there on those stilts on set. There's a lot to love about this character. I think people do love this character, but I don't want any of his accomplishments to ever get lost. I think he he was a, a key factor in the success of the rebellion during this very big week in the rebellion's existence. <laughs> Scarif to, to Yavin. So K2SO, all his jokes, focus on his accomplishments. <laughs> I think that's great. I love the the spin you're putting on it because he does have a lot of uh, a lot of great jokes. He's a great different energy for a droid. He adds uh, a a much needed uh, spark of mirth at times to Rogue One. Um but you're right. He does just totally on Jetta. He saves everybody's life twice. <laughs> uh and he's there working away to to get everything up in running to escape Edu as well. Um but I also feel like I'm sure people, you know, think about it, talk about it, consider it. You and I haven't talked a ton about just that little beat uh, right toward the end of his life. I agree with you that it is a total sacrifice. And I think he would have done it regardless because I think he was very loyal. And there's this clear, even though it's a reprogramming, I think there's still this like clear bond between him and Cassian that we'll get more of in that Disney Plus series as well. But that moment where... Jin gives him the blaster and he seems actually emotionally affected 
that, yeah. you know, he, he, did, he was worried that she would have a blaster and why did she get to have one when he didn't right at the beginning of their relationship. And just that, that gesture of Jin showing him respect and showing him that to me, you're a part of this team and like you wanted one. And, you know, we get that line from K2SO that is, I think is as close to being uh, super emotional as it can be of yeah. your uh, behavior continues to be uh, surprising. I'm paraphrasing. Uh, I'm, I'm not yeah. studying for a trivia contest right now. Yeah. Uh, uh, and I think that's just like a, a really nice moment because it really sells that he's not just protecting Cassian. Now he's protecting Jen. He's protecting the mission. Yeah, protecting the rebellion that he's now a part of. I love that moment because, you know, as, as you're talking about it, it made me think of one of our uh, favorite moments in Rise of Skywalker, which is Ray telling 3PO, you know, you know the odds better than anyone, which is such this wonderful just uh, final uh, moment of, uh, uh, not final, but just one of the big moments of respect for this character that, that we all love but has been just crapped on his entire existence, all movies. Yes. <laughs> and so for Ray to acknowledge that, but to just have that, have that moment with Jin, Jin doing somewhat of a similar thing uh, because droids, you know, they get, they don't necessarily get a fair shake in star Wars. And I love that there's that constant theme, you know, most notice, noticeable with L3 and, and her droid rights kind of campaign. But like beyond that, you see it time and time again in, in new, in new modern canon, just, you know, who are these droids and look at their accomplishments and what they've done. And, and, you know, and, and rewatching rebels like I am right now, uh, chopper who I initially did not like that much now, uh, the second time around. And I've seen a lot of these episodes again, but I'm, it's my first full rewatch episode one to the finale is what I'm doing. I mean, choppers winning me over even more than I, and I knew because not only just for what he does for saving the day, but just being part of it, part of the story, part of the personality, the perspective, uh, any, any advice, any comments, it's there through Chopper, that old little fart bot, as they used to call him. <laughs> um, and I just think going back to K2S, it is one of the first times that moment with Jen, yeah, it's pretty powerful. And it sets up, by the way, it sets up, I think, that loss. Just in terms of simple storytelling, you're, you're like, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah because he goes from you know always snark even like you know i'll you know i'll be with you because cassian told me i had to um you know he, he goes to that moment of heart and then you feel it when his eye lights go out oh so so sad i'm gonna have to watch that today over lunch just to get sad over some noodles <laughs> uh so that is by number three k2so uh choice over programming but also accomplishments that saved the galaxy which means now we're up to your number two my number two is also from rogue one we are in sync uh my number two is lira urso uh, again i think this is a character that people do like but really looking at her, uh, the, the quality of the character, what she believed in, what she stood for, and what her actual actions were and how they impacted uh, the story is all really inspiring to me. Uh, a big chunk of Lyra is from the Catalyst novel where we learn that she has this relationship um, with Galen that is the kind of like, well, we're kind of different, but that's what's interesting and exciting about our relationship, that she is a very... A passionate person that she is uh, the term that I use not force sensitive but force aware where she's never going to be able to even tap into the force enough to move a pebble but she believes it and she can kind of feel the big sways back and forth yeah. um, which I think is a really interesting character particularly since she's this kyber crystal expert in this uh, this hunter 
of these kinds of this part of our galaxy that is really alive and thriving and great representation of the big Lucas th themes of the natural and the organic and the flowing versus the rigid and the mechanical that Lear is very much on the side of the flowing and the natural and the organic. So uh, I just love the character as uh, we get to see her in Catalyst. It's great to watch Rogue One and be able to add that to her small amount of screen time. But then even in Rogue One, you know, it's significant that she does pass on that energy by giving that kyber crystal necklace to Lyra. Um, and I think that that necklace ends up being this great, not only just symbol for kind of that side of the uh, paradigm of Star Wars, but I, the, to my reading of the film, it's the necklace that Chirrut senses that yeah. brings them together. You know, the strongest uh, stars have hearts of kyber. Um, he's reacting to that, that necklace in in a way that that's like this sort of the spirit of Lyra, not literally mm. sort of starting to build all these necessary connections. Uh, and I think that's this great uh, tribute to Lyra's connection to the force and giving uh, Jin this sense of both hope and defiance. And, and that's, that's the, the other thing I wanted to say about Lyra is it's a tragedy that we lose her so early in the movie but I do like this story where she's just like, no, no, I'm not, I'm not feeling the mm. live to fight another day. I'm not, I'm not going with you, Krennic. It's, mm. this is utterly unacceptable and I, and I have to stand. And that's represented so well in the movie that she, st she starts the threat of, you know, you will never win. And it goes all the way through to Jin getting to say that to Krennic uh, when it's finally true. I, I, I'm literally applauding you. I, yes, yes, right? That is that is the, the first <clears throat> indicator of what's to come, but also a powerful indicator of, of what's there inside Jin if she can just discover it, and that's part of Jin's journey. You're so right. This story of rebellion really does begin there of, we always ask, uh, ask you know, when, when is it time for the rebellion to fight? And Radis and a lot of others have uh, opinions on when and where, but Lyra, right then and there, knew and shows it. And... Um, that's not, you know, Galen had to make some of his choices in his career and it was a different, different, different thing. I, I get it. But, um, that's, 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 I think that that's forgotten in a lot of the conversations about Lyra, uh, is yeah that's the first moment of rebellion in that movie. So applaud, uh, applause for you, sir. I love that. Oh, thank you. Thank um, you. Yeah. And, uh, shout out to, uh, Valene Kane, Irish born Valene Kane, who uh, portrayed her in, in, in just the brief, moments that we do get her and and yeah it's brief um but it's impactful and a lot of them uh, a lot of it due to just her as an actor in, the, in those moments with the young Jin and and the earnest uh you know passing on the crystal and, and the lesson there and knowing what's happened and we talk about tough decisions for mothers in star wars uh shmi being um you know, the leader in that category of making the toughest uh, decision uh this is a this is right up there this is right up there generously might not have been the chosen one that goes on to bring uh, balance to the force uh but she uh saves uh you know does along with k2 and cassie you know essentially keeps the, the hope of the rebellion uh, alive when it was ready to die out and uh lyra getting her out of there and sending her away and making the decision to go back, which also probably bought a uh, young Jin some time to go escape and hide. Uh, you know, very important moment for the rebellion. 
Yeah, yeah. Lyra is up there in the Mothers of Star Wars pantheon. Absolutely. And check out Catalyst. Uh, if you have not ever uh, read that or heard that, use that audibletrial.com uh, slash four center link because Catalyst knows it's just a really good book, but that you get a ton of Lyra stuff there. Lyra and Galen, um, I think, are a, a great couple in Star Wars. That is your number two, which means we're going to go up to my number two. And this is another one that I feel is a name people know, a name people actually love and respect. But I, I think it still has to be highlighted. My number two is Paige Tico, sister mm-hmm. of Rose. And look, Rose is perhaps even unsung within her own resistance uh, as, as we, uh, uh, you know, just plain in story. I think even she's unsung. But Paige is there and love the use of Paige Tico. Absolutely love this taking a this this a very Star Wars moment, uh, an unsung, unheralded just person becoming a hero, doing some really almost miraculous feat to save the day, and then using that to not just not just teach Poe a lesson, but to literally slap him in the face with these losses and it haunts him. And it's something that sticks with him later. And that's because we as an audience have seen the face of this resistance, the face of this hero page Tico. We've got to live with it. And we got to see her loss felt when in Rose. And then we also got to see Finn part of Finn's journey when, when he just is kind of compared by Rose against page Finn falls short and he has to grow uh, to exceed, uh, 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 you know, any expectations that, that um, are there to, as a as a hero, and I so I just love the use of Paige in in, in a story sense, and then I just love the uh, Paige Tico in this sense, just a belly gunner who was overwhelmed, who was frightened, who was scared, who by the way wasn't some I'm going to grow up to be a soldier. Her and Rose got involved because of what they saw the First Order what the, what, the, what it was doing to their world and their culture and their the stripping of. Uh, of, of materials and it was the empire reborn and they saw it and they made that choice. That's uh, one of the reasons we, we love Tally Lentra here too, for a lot of reasons, but Tally Lentra could have been a farmer's daughter and just stayed on pip hip three, her home planet. <laughs> That's part of the star Wars story. And for page um, that sequence, which is so well shot and, and, and the sound design, everything about that, the slow motion, not often used in star Wars. Love that shot with uh, um, so much in that sequence. And it starts the movie. I love that she's down and out and it's just this like it's it's almost three acts in its own scene. It's almost the story of the rebellion and then eventually the story of the resistance in one scene of you get involved, you're trying your best, you get knocked down and you got to choose to climb back up and save the day. And it might end up costing you your life, but that's part of the sacrifice It's part of why you why you join. It's it's a very, very powerful little uh, uh, visual essay on what uh, page it represents in the Star Wars story. And I just, uh, you know, can't have a conversation of unsung heroes without the belly gunner of the cobalt hammer that uh, saved the day. And um, if, if she doesn't, by the way, um, you know, this is why the complication of, you know, Poe, like I, I get where Poe is coming from. I get where Leia is coming from, but I get where Poe's coming from. They don't take out that dreadnought. The resistance might die right there in Dakar as well. So, yeah. Thank you, Paige. Yeah. Uh, I think that I applaud you. I think that's great. You really point out lots of interesting, great, specific details about Paige. It, it is shot so well. It is told so well. It is acted uh, so well. You know, obviously, a lot of the shots towards the end, the the slow mo, uh, you know, grabbing the the controller and that the, holding on to her medallion. Uh, but I love that shot of her once she realizes that the other 
her her crew is dying. Uh, mm. The rest of the crew of the Cobalt Hammer, and she has to do it. And the way she unbuckles her mm. helmet and has it, it's perfect for the like. I'm already doing something scary, and now I'm being asked to do something even scarier, and I'm scared, but I know I have to. And it reinforces everything that you're talking about, that she is uh, obviously a great character in and of herself, but pivotal to Rose, and so pivotal to these intertwined uh, thematic arcs of, uh, of Finn, where she is held up as an example of someone who really thoughtfully considered what does it mean to be a hero and i'm going to be that right i'm going to choose to fight for the right thing and that that means doing uh you know terribly frightening things so you know helping finn's arc there and then helping poe's arc with the really consider when you ask people to make the ultimate sacrifice is you know it's really really powerful and i love the way you say it like you can just watch this short film called you know the uh, the bravery of Paige Tico and it's all there. Yeah, bravery of Paige Tico is there. Um, uh, we are going to take a quick break in a, in a second, but that is our list so far. We got some, uh, we got some honorable mentions and our number ones. It's been fun discussing these unsung heroes in Star Wars. Stick around, Star Wars rank. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, Four Center fans, don't forget, Four Center is on YouTube. Head over there to catch up with our new show, Star Wars Show and Tell. Joseph, Jennifer, Ken, and special guests sit down and share favorite items from their own Star Wars memorabilia collections. Plus, there's the In Memoriam video series, encore presentations of Databank Brawl, and special programming all there for you, and more shows on the way. It's Four Center on YouTube. Check it out. Four Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at JenniferLanda and on TikTok as JenniferLanda1138. We are back here on Star Wars Rank, the 90th edition of this show in which we rank things big and small. And today, it's ranking the characters that might be considered smaller in the eyes of the story, but they should be considered big by you. We have had a lot of fun uh, discussing these things. And, uh, Joseph, I love uh, I love when we just kind of take a character we have discussed before and peel back even more layers. And that's uh, part of why we do this, you know? Yeah, yeah. I feel like I've uh, learned so much by chatting with you today, and I have even more characters to celebrate this afternoon. i got a busy afternoon. Busy afternoon, indeed. And we had some characters that almost made the list. Uh, We call them our honorable mentions. Hey, we didn't create that term. Hey, so what do you got on your list? (laughs) Uh, Well, uh, I have Larma Daisy. Uh, I really like Larma. I think uh, she's great in Rise of Skywalker, but in particular, her debut in The Last Jedi, just a great actor. Uh, So she comes across with uh, charisma and gravitas and emotion. But, you know, there is a long history in Star Wars of characters who must dump exposition and Larma Daisy is the Jedi master of exposition. She, if you watch last Jedi closely, she lays out so much just bare bones information and you never feel like you're getting an exposition dump. You never do. No, not at all. She's, she, she should teach a class on that. <laughs> she really should. How to deliver exposition by Larma Daisy, or I guess Amanda Lawrence would probably teach yeah. the class. Um, weasel. 
Weasel was a runner up yeah. for me. Because uh, talk about a character that just turned their life around, uh, going from being a kind of uh, what looked like uh, kind of a criminal buddy of Watto to somebody who is willing to fight to make things right in the galaxy. Also, just kind of a great uh, story in terms of uh, the debate of how much should the movies lean into kind of minor Star Wars canon that thrills fans. And that was just such a fun detail. Like, yeah, you know what? Let's make it the same character. So Weasel's high on my list. Uh, I know I mentioned this character a lot, but uh, Oniho Zaya. Uh, this is, of course, the kid uh, on Canto Bite who actually tells the story of Jedi Master Luke Skywalker to Tamiri Blegg and Arshela Sar, I believe. Um, he, you know, it's great to have the story, but you got to have the storyteller. Mm. And I have to celebrate any character in Star Wars who makes custom action figures. <laughs> I still want that. Um, yeah, I got I got two more on my list. Um, Opipit, uh, we both love from Star Wars Resistance. Uh, he is a great background character that everybody involved with him knows he is a background character. Like, he's literally... Uh, you just see him passing in the halls with his cleaning equipment. He eventually gets a couple uh, short moments to shine, but just like great weird design that have been floating around and they finally put it to work and just oh background character with just so much flavor i am a huge fan of opipit and i know you are too mm-hmm. um and then my final my final runner-up ken is the bothans uh <laughs> they are in some ways the ultimate uh undersung hero of star wars because of course we only know them mm-hmm. as a line of dialogue about being kind of undersung heroes (laughs) like many bothans died let's never speak about them again and i know i know there's been some stuff in expanded Mm -hmm. canon but uh we've also heard rumblings that in modern canon there's been various creators who are like oh i want to do a bothan thing and and for some mysterious reasons the bothans appear to still be waiting for their day in the twin suns and i hope that comes soon for the bothans oh yeah that'd be uh what's the one from uh the Boris Fela or something like that from from Zahn's uh, Air of the Empire trilogy, right? Is that is yeah, that yeah, right. yeah? And, and even then, it was like, oh, oh, oh the Bothans, oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, I love I love that uh, honorable mention choice because it is almost like Mothma is saying it, like, and the unsung heroes, the Bothans. Like, oh. <laughs> uh, great uh, runner up list, yeah. Oh, peep it, man. I want. Like if, if I don't, I can't afford one of those iRobot vacuums to go around my house. But if I get one, I want a plush Opipit to like glue to it. So just Opipit's cleaning my house. Oh yeah, I'm not a big Halloween costume guy, but I would love a full Opipit costume because people would be like, "You got some weird pumpkin head? Or is this a, is this a something from some weird installment of the Halloween uh, movie series? I'm not familiar with." Like, nope, it's Opipit. It is O'Peef and oh, that'd be great. Uh, my runner-up list includes uh, probably some bigger names, but uh, you know they don't. They're again, their actions don't get treated uh, as well as just their names. Uh, Nine Numb. I mean, come on, this guy's yeah. co-pilot taking another second Death Star. He is. Uh, if Leia leans on him a lot in, in some of the early new canon material, then he comes back and rises Skywalker. Whether he's alive or dead, I don't. I'm not worried about that debate. He's there. He's there in Force Awakens. It was great that he came back. He, and he's there. I mean, Last Jedi, of course, too. But I think it's um, it's just one of those characters that he's a, a steady, steadfast uh, guy who's uh, 
been all around the galaxy and is there and ready for the fight and won't ever question it. He'll just be there. So nine numb indeed. I was going to say Captain Ramus Antilles. Ooh. Uh, you know, I mean, even in death, trying to protect what's going on, uh, kind of, uh, you know, trusted by Bale to to be very high in his own organization and house, but trusted to to kind of work with, oversee, maybe even at times protect Leia. She starts her journey to, uh, as a rebel. I think that's important too. And then, you know, just uh, also wipe the droid's mind. You know, that's if you don't wipe 3PO's mind, some secrets get out and until he's, he knew what to do and he'd follow through and again, again, trust. Also, uh, general Jan Dodonna, I almost put him on the list. I, I went with Rykan just cause I connect with Rykan a little bit more. I think Dodonna, you know, I mean, just the trivia aspect, uh, the first uh, character to say, may the force be with you on screen. Uh, I think I was really excited in Rogue One, especially when you got Sir Barristan Zomi himself, uh, was Ian McElhinney coming in there to play the character. And I, I didn't feel they did, uh, you know, who knows what's on the cutter room floor, but, you know, so you've told us is kind of the only Dodonna line. Uh, <laughs> I would have liked to see more of that. I just think, you know, he's one of those wise old leaders. Uh, they, um, a lot of even when you go to rebels where he does appear, it's like we got to get the Y wings to Dodonna's cell. There's a lot to I mean, a lot of key stuff there. And then my final one here, because I was trying to think solo and weasel. I'm so glad you said weasel. Such a great character. Great use of connections. I got to say Rio Durant, Ooh. a hero um, for the lessons he imparted to Han. And even though Han doesn't learn a lot of lessons fast and quick, <laughs> He eventually takes him or eventually he knows he can't run from the truth about himself. And I think in, in death, Rio kind of says, Hey, I know you think you want this life. And I've kind of been saying it's a great life, but th this ain't, this ain't it kid. And gives him kind of that final, like seek more. And even though it takes Han a long time, I get it. I'm stubborn too, Han. Uh, Rio, that lesson, much like some of the stuff with Kira and everything, will stay in Han's heart and he'll come to terms with it eventually. So as a Han Solo fan, I got to say thank you, Rio Durant. Yeah, man, he's great. Is she nice? Does she have sharp teeth? That just speaks volumes about the culture <laughs> mm -hmm. that Rio comes from. Um, yeah, I, I and, and I do love that he is, like you're saying, he is the... I think in solo, there are these two competing themes, uh, these kind of the uh, different uh, pieces of wisdom on either side of Han's uh, shoulders. And one of them from Kira is everybody serves somebody. And the one from Rio is this great contrast of, you know, everybody needs somebody. Yeah. So that's my runner up. We have reached our number one choices for best unsung heroes in Star Wars. We'll go with my number one. So Joseph can close the show with his number one. My number one is someone that is getting some due. Thanks to the book Queen's Peril and Queen's Shadow and even appearance in the Vader comic going on right now. It is uh, the, the, the handmaiden prime in our story, Sabe. Uh, I uh, really just love this character now more than ever and have uh, a lot of gratitude in my heart for E.K. Johnson just kind of taking this character, taking this role. Uh, portrayed by Karen Knightley, a fun little trivia point, but uh, kind of digging into what it means, what the moment means. And now, especially in Queen's Apparel, just learning that, you know, the, the one chosen first, the one chosen because, hey, you, you're never the best. You're, you're good at being number two, but that is what we need now. 
and stepping up to that call, connecting with the, the queen and, and, and a very, you know, deep level, as we learned in Queen's Peril and helping her kind of, I think, adjust to being queen early on. And then I think helping kind of uh, lead the handmaidens in a certain point of view. I, I wouldn't say the handmaidens have a leader other than maybe Padme or uh, even at times Panaka, but you know what I mean? Like help kind of just, this is what we got going on. And then in the big moment, uh, which some we've we've watched and lived with since 1999. Uh, Padme captured. It looks like uh, the assault on the uh, the Naboo Palace is coming to a bad end here, and there's Sabe stepping in. And to learn more about that moment even now, I know not everyone has read Queen's Peril. Uh, maybe some of you don't want to read Queen's Peril. Uh, I've heard the book kind of, ah, you know, it's a coming of age story for some young girls. It's so much more than that. It's, it's a big punch of a book into this movie and time period we love. And to learn that that moment was Sabe who, who, who's literally chosen because you are, you look like someone else. You're used to being not as good as others, but supporting. And, and that's part of who you are. And this moment, it all comes to that moment. And she saves the day by just revealing herself as the decoy queen. Uh, I love that. And also not for nothing, you know, she's standing in for the queen when there's a lot of important things going on, allowing Padme to go do some of those important things. Um, and that because that works, Sabe is there. So anyways, Sabe, my number one unsung hero in Star Wars. Yeah, take that. The belief that Sabe always has to come in second on your list. Yeah. She came in number one. Yeah, she's always been a cool character. Uh, the Keira Knightley thing is really fascinating. You know, once you really uh, tune into that, it is really fun uh, to watch the movie and see how it actually functions. I, I love her story in Queen's Peril. That idea of like, uh, you know, in, in many cultures, clearly in Naboo and I think in ours, like uh, sometimes you, coming in second just means you lost. But in reality most times coming in second means you are amazing and it yeah. is great to see uh somebody like sabe really get to accept that like yes uh i'm gonna define myself that way in that big uh every every one of her key moments in phantom menace is highlighted in and enhanced by queen's peril but that real moment of bravery of like i'm gonna step up and uh and distract and, and get the the battle droids coming after me. So I know Padme can go for those blasters in the throne. It's a great moment. And Sabe does wear my favorite Padme dress. And it is only that Sabe who wears it is the, uh, the um, let's leave Naboo black dress. Right. Yeah. That's a good point. Good point. Uh, and I can't remember if they've made a Sabe figure. I can't remember. There's, there's I believe one. they have. Yeah. All right. I'll have to grab that. So that is my number one, Sabe, Handmaiden Prime, as I've now dubbed her. Uh, and even though there, yes, I get it, there were handmaidens in Naboo's history before. Uh, we are now up to your number one choice, Joseph, for the best, most unsung hero in Star Wars. My number one surprised me. I had this list. I was rotating around. I was thinking, who am I missing? And then, just like an epiphany in the Force, it came to me, Dio. Dio is uh, perhaps an undersung uh, character because newer character. And also it's, there's still a lot of people with who, who feel kind of raw about Rise of Skywalker in different ways. We here love it. We appreciate that other people have challenges with it and we respect that. But when you watch, uh, you know, honestly, when Dio was first revealed, it was like mm -hmm. cool, interesting, minimal design. Um, it did feel like, 
Well, BB-8 was this kind of breakthrough, amazing, weird, new, minimal design that felt perfect. And Dio felt like, okay, cool, but, you know, uh, let's see what the character is about. And once I watched the movie, saw what the character is about, really dug in, saw other people commenting and connecting the dots. You watch Dio's journey in Rise of Skywalker. Dio is this thread of the power of empathy. That empathy really does matter. And it's easy to just say that, but I think what the film demonstrates, which I I choose to believe is, is true in real life, is when you reach out in kindness and empathy, one of the reasons to do that is it will ripple out. And that's what Dio is representing. We see that uh, Ray chooses to not just hack the Vexus apart, which he easily could, uh, the serpent in the tunnel. Instead, she gives it some life energy. She explains this to BB-8 and has a little conversation uh, with him. BB-8 then sees that uh, Dio is out of juice and BB-8 gives some of his energy, some of his life uh, blood to Dio. Uh, Then we just have a general sort of uh, empathy uh, directed toward Dio from uh, Ray saying, looks like people have treated him badly and well, you know, that's not going to happen anymore. You're with us. So there's that moment of just general empathy. But then in terms of that actual chain of empathy that Dio represents, uh, Dio is messing around with Ray's stuff in that funny little scene. And then it occurs to Finn to ask Dio about Dio's story. And that's when, because Finn showed that kindness and empathy to Dio, Dio's like, Oh yeah. You know, I, uh, I think I was heading to Exegol. You want a bunch of information about it? That'll really help plan the operation that will save the entire galaxy. Uh, and all of it represents his chain of empathy, which is great and fun and interesting, but it is all coming from this character who has been abused in a character that has every reason not to trust. And it is, charming and heartbreaking and funny and relatable the no 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 thank you and just really reacting on just a <laughs> gut emotional level of declaring things happy and sad uh yeah. but in a way it, by kind of paring down those big emotions it, it kind of the character symbolizes to me paring down a lot of the noise and garbage that we can get obsessed with to just a basic emotions in valuing empathy, and if you value empathy, uh, much like Dio, it will roll forward and it will make things better for everybody. Yeah, it could quite frankly, literally, change and save the galaxy. Yeah. <laughs> Lead to that. It's possible. Dio represents that. This is a great choice for a lot of reasons. I think it's, it's yeah, yeah, again, like I said, raw, raw feelings from Rise of Skywalker from a lot of folks out there. Uh, we understand that. We respect that. And, and uh, Force Center is a place to discuss, uh, discuss your, your questions and your doubts and any obstacles you might have in front of you to um, understanding or appreciating a, a Star Wars film. And, and you might never get there. We understand that. But I think you're so right, Joseph. Dio, Dio represents just this basic thread uh, in this story, this chain of empathies you've talked about, which is, uh, I think, a Fleetwood Mac song (laughs) um and just that little moment of 
Ray going, hey, yeah, BB-8, that's what I did. I saved the snake and BB-8 getting to, getting to plug in and literally give his energy. I mean, it's it's right there. And that's the purpose and that's where it goes. And it's an all-hands-on-deck situation. Everyone's got a, a, a part to play in saving the galaxy. But those parts can't – you don't just get to play them sometimes. you got to be – people got to understand you or, like you said, Finn seeking out the story. And and maybe if – number one, if BB-8, if BB-8 never gives them DL life – never comes to, to existence. Uh, but if he's just viewed as a little trash droid and <laughs> sees that, if sees beyond that, uh, there's, there's still spinning around the galaxy uh, trying to get to Exegol. And that's part of the star Wars story. It's part of uh, the reason we're here to celebrate it. And not for nothing. Not only is he just really adorable. He's really funny. He's uh, JJ voiced him very well. I, I'm all on board for it. And uh, I don't have a, a remote control DL, but uh, you know, I love to chase some chihuahuas around with one. Dog, 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 dog. But um, <laughs> I love DL. I, 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 and I think it's a, a great number one for the list here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you you could make the argument that, okay, well, you know, Ray sends the signal. That's what tells him how to get through all of the uh, navigational challenges of Exegol. But it, it's the pre-knowledge of what is waiting for them on Exegol that allows them to make the plan. And all of that is impossible uh, without Dio. So, you know, when I first saw him, you know, he he he, uh, he uh, had the chain of empathy with me because when I first saw him, I was like, oh, cool design, but what's the deal? And now I know the deal is that Dio is awesome and perfect, perfect to me representation of undersung hero because he's one of these characters that, you know, Star Wars often reminds us everybody has value. Don't judge people just based on, or droids or basilisks, uh, just on your first impressions. But what do they know? What have they experienced? Who are they if you bother to ask them? And Dio has a great answer of who he is when Finn bothers to ask. Friend, friend, friend. I'm going to watch Rice of Skywalker over lunch again just to see some Dio. <laughs> Great list, Joseph. Thank you for bringing all of those wonderful names and insights into the conversation today. If you out there listening have uh, something you want to add to this list, maybe add some names to your own unsung heroes list. You can do so by reaching out to us on Twitter at Force Center Pod. Use the hashtag Star Wars Rank. Like our Facebook page. We are on Instagram and YouTube as well. Make sure you're uh, subscribed over there to catch our Star Wars show and tell in memoriams and other uh, content on the YouTube channel. Uh, You can follow, uh, you can uh, grab the podcast uh, wherever fine podcasts are found, like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartMedia, iHeartRadio, and more. Uh, Head over there. And uh, don't forget, uh, you can support us if you want at patreon.com slash force center. A lot of cool things going on here, including the new music here that's been on Star Wars Rank for the last few episodes from the great Tony Thaxton that was made possible by all of you. We have merch at tpublic.com slash user slash force center. Uh, we also really are excited to uh, dive in deep on these topics. We want to thank you all for supporting us on uh, breaking up the main show news on Tuesdays, deeper topics on Thursday, and we got more kind of new shows or returning shows coming up. We're going to announce this coming week and it's all possible because of your guys' uh, your support out there. Uh, we got our own stuff as well. You can follow me at Cadnapsuck. Uh, go to Cadnapsuck.com for more information. Uh, and Joseph, they can follow you at josephscrimshot.com unless you've suddenly changed it to .net. <laughs> nope, I am still a dot com. Not a business. Uh, well, I am a business. I don't know what I'm saying. I'm a terrible advertiser. Anyway, you can find myself, uh, myself and myself, myself and my stuff on josephscrimshaw.com, Twitter and Instagram at josephscrimshaw. 
That is true. Do that. Follow, follow him. Follow myself. Follow all of us. Yes, do it, please. And don't forget Jennifer Landa, too. Please follow Jen and all her cool content, including the stuff on TikTok, a format I still don't understand. Uh, <laughs> because I am like Tara Sanube of the social media world. Uh, that is it for this week. Star Wars has been ranked. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.